0: Come on, Wayne. I said, that's the kind of girl you end up marrying. (laughs) So at that, would you like to stand up, Santa? This is is my wife of 35 years, and when I recruited her to come to this youth meeting uh, to begin working with youth, I said, can I walk you home? Her dad was in the ministry, went to Gordon-Conwell, and was associate pastor at the church in Newton. So I said, could I walk you home after the meeting? So we left the meeting and we started walking. But we were walking the wrong direction. We were walking towards a park. And I don't know if you can go parking. <laughs> you usually do that in a car, right? I mean, we were walking. But we climbed a tree, of all things. And we began to talk about our lives. And we actually prayed in a tree that night for our relationship. And that's why I think our relationship is so rooted. Okay. I'm done. I'm done on anything like that. All right. Welcome to South Shore Baptist Church. If this is your first Sunday here, do not judge the church by today. Anybody here for the first time today? Oh, welcome. Welcome. That's terrific. Anybody in the balcony first time? Anybody in the back row? I heard a great testimony of a guy at the first service. He said he came for his son's baptism here. And he was sitting in the back row, and he gave his life to Christ. You know, And he's been a member here since that time. God really worked. A guy named Tony. I think he won best dressed at the first service. <laughs> okay, here we go. I want you to uh, turn with me to one of the most familiar passages in all the Scripture. Uh, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And I asked uh, people to do this at the first service. I'm going to try it again at this service. I'd like you to stand up, and I'd like you to say verse 1 like you really mean it. A couple of volunteers to do that. Psalm 23, verse 1. Who will be the first one to stand up and say it with, yes. i got two. The lady first. Okay, thank you. Yes, young man. Okay. Anybody on this left side? Anybody in the balcony? Yes, I see that girl in the front row. Thank you, hon. Yeah. Was there another hand up there too? Okay, yes. three? righteousness his Thank you. Thank you for doing that. My purpose in doing that was to introduce a little bit of a story that I heard years ago about a competition. About people where they would memorize a piece of something. Could be poetry, could be scripture, could be a famous address. And there was a competition, and at this competition, orators had come to do this talk and see how they would be judged on their performance. So one man was a young, a college graduate, very sharp person, excellent communicator. Probably went to Harvard, for all we know, or Boston College, or a community college. All right, so anyway, he got up and did a wonderful presentation. Of the twenty-third psalm, very moving, and people clapped. Later in the competition, there was an older man, didn't have fine dress on, kind of be, you know, moved on in life, getting older, getting near the finish line. Well, he got up and did the twenty-third psalm as well. When he finished his recitation of the twenty-third psalm, the place went nuts, standing ovation, clapping for this man, applauding. The young man was perplexed. He said, "Like, what happened?" And somebody shared with the young man, they said, you knew the sh- psalm, but he knew the shepherd. All right, And he really shared about the shepherd from his heart. So as we look at that, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. So at that day, in, mil- in basic training, I turned my life over to the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, who laid down his life for me, that I might have life and have it abundantly. And the Lord knows each one of your names. Like this, my title for my message was, The Shepherd Knows My Name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows when you were formed in the womb. So, I want to share, uh, there's a song called, He Knows My Name. If I sang it, the place would clear out very quickly. But I want to share the lyrics. It's by a fellow named Tommy Walker. And it says the scripture is, in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And it says, I have a maker. He formed my heart. Before even time began, my life was in his hands. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me, no matter where I go. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. He hears me when I call. Tommy wrote that when he was on a mission trip. A young boy came up to him. And told Tommy his name. And then he came back a few minutes later. And he said, what's my name? And Tommy remembered his name and he said it. And that's one of the most pleasing things to us. Is when people know our name. You can identify with us. And when when you have a good name and a good reputation, it really means a lot. And so for me, the privilege of having the name David Livingstone, when I've had the privilege to go to Africa, it's been a tremendous door opener for me. To go to a town in Zambia called Livingstone. To meet a chief who had uh, his ancestors had entertained Livingstone right there in that village 150 years before. I had the privilege of seeing where Livingstone was born in Scotland and where his remains are in Westminster Abbey. There's still a place I long to go to. In Africa, in Zambia, Livingstone's heart is buried there because he wanted his heart to remain in Africa because he loved the people so much. So that's one place I'd like to go. We had the privilege of meeting the president in Zambia. And pray with him. And later he became a Christian and was publicly baptized. He told me I needed to go where Livingstone's heart is buried. So on another trip, maybe I'll have the opportunity to do that. I think it would be very special. But today we're talking about the shepherd. So I'd like you to flip over with me to uh, John 10. And as we look at this passage, again, with the theme verse for the whole conference, it's right there uh, in John chapter 10 as we talk about the great shepherd. Jesus has just healed a blind man in chapter 9. And when we think about the Jesus film and the impact that it has around the world, one of my favorite stories is in India, where they were going to be showing the Jesus film. And a blind woman heard that Jesus healed people. So she wanted to attend the showing of the Jesus film. She could hear it, but she could not see it. So at the film showing where Jesus heals the man uh, of blindness, and he says, I can see, I can see. Mrs. Pawnee cried out, Jesus, heal me. I want to see. And it didn't happen immediately. But later on in the film showing, when Jesus was on the cross and being crucified for our sin, Mrs. Pawnee received her sight. And now there's a church in that area, in India, because of the miracle of her receiving her sight. So as we look at John 10, I just want to share with you uh, some of the early verses. I tell you the truth in chapter 10, verse 1. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate But climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of of his sheep. The watchman opens his gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. So again, that's a real key, listening to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own out, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. I want to pause there for a minute and tell you more about my Uncle Wiley. He had sheep. He raised turkeys. He had some other farm animals. But one of the illustrations that really jumped off the page was after I had become a Christian, I was visiting my Uncle Wiley out at the farm. And he said, David, let's go down to the sheep pen and feed the sheep. So so it said to me, he said, hey, David, call the sheep. So I don't know if you've been around sheep, but they really recognized the shepherd's voice. So here's this knucklehead going, here, sheep, here, sheep, come on, sheep. And they never lifted an ear or turned their head in my direction at all. I felt like an idiot, you know. And here he is with a little pail of grain. He made a little noise. Up their ears came and running because they knew the shepherd. So Jesus is waiting for us to call to Him too, so we can follow Him. When does that happen? When we give our lives to Him. We begin to hear His voice on a regular basis. So, And then in verse 7, Therefore Jesus says again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. So Jesus opens the gate for us to enter. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I think that is one of the most key verses in my life, to see that. How the enemy had come into my life to steal, almost to kill and to destroy. I had no testimony as a teenager. All I was concerned about was my peers and how I'd be accepted and what we were going to do that weekend. But as Jesus began to change my life, It wasn't the focus on what I was going to do. It was what what I could do for him. And that life has become a very abundant life as we've been married and shared with Campus Crusade the last 25 years and seeing people come to Christ, seeing people give to the Jesus Film Project. One statistic we didn't share is basically that we figure out for every dollar that's given to the Jesus Film, 10 people will see the film. And typically one person comes to Christ. So in your investment, as you're beginning to do a language, if you invested $37,000, typically about 370,000 people would see the film. And out of that, 37,000 people would come to Christ. That's a pretty good return on investment. So I appreciate what you're doing in your missions work here and in the conference as you look at that. So again, I want to point out the difference between a shepherd. A shepherd really cares for his flock. Uh, we were down at Martha's Vineyard this weekend, for, or this week earlier, for a presentation at a church down there, a faith community uh, Baptist church. We were in the pastor's home, and we were sharing with people about the Jesus film. And I asked uh, Jeff during the course of our few days together, I said, "Jeff, do you think sheep? It matters whether they're rich or poor. You know, a sheep's a sheep, but depending on the shepherd and where they graze them, there's rich sheep and there's poor sheep. If you're a poor shepherd and you don't take care of your sheep," And they're eaten on rocky soil and don't have good water to drink. You're not a very good shepherd. In a book I have in the pew here, I was going to point it out, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. I don't know, maybe many of you have read that. It's by Philip Keller. And he was a sheep herder in East Africa. And so he knew sheep. And then he you know, came to the, wow, British Columbia and he raised sheep there. And he always prided himself on his sheep having good grazing land. So that's what this church is. People come here. They're coming to graze. And the pastors feed them, feed the flock. So that's the point I'm trying to make. But there's also a bad shepherd. The enemy is a shepherd too. If you're not following the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, Jesus, you're following the worst one you could follow. Satan has duped you. He wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to lead you to destruction. So which would you rather follow? Would you rather follow the good shepherd who lays down his life for you that you might have life, have it abundantly. Or would you rather follow the Satan? And he's going to lead you astray. And you're going to spend eternity without God. That's a choice we have to make. A friend of mine that we did youth ministry with in Denver, where we lived out there. We were talking the other day. And Rudy said, you know, we're all one bad decision from destruction. Think about that for a minute. Like this week, you could go out of here. If you had a problem with drinking in the past, maybe you got drunk. Maybe you had an accident. Maybe somebody got killed. That would be a very bad decision that could lead to destruction. If someone was really into uh, messing around and not being faithful in their marriage, if they had an affair with somebody, what would they do? What if that person had AIDS? There's consequences, right? So we're one bad decision away from disaster. I like the way Rudy put that. He said, sometimes I have trouble walking the line. I said, Rudy, you painted the line. You know, he's always trying to stay in the line. He's a painter, too. But anyway, I think about that. But I think also we're one good decision away from eternity. If we make that decision to follow Christ, the chief shepherd, he's going to lead us and guide us the rest of the days of our lives. This week has been kind of difficult for us in a way. Uh, St. Ellen and I, as we were leaving the uh, Martha's Vineyard and coming back towards Boston, we got a call that my sister, who's just older than I am, she's uh, 63, and has had MS for over 30 years, 35 years, almost 40 years. She's been in a wheelchair for about 35, had taken a turn for the worst. So we went right to Winchester Hospital, and as we were there with Judy, she looked like she was going to die. I mean, right, I haven't seen many people die before my eyes, but she looked like she was ready to go, and she is. She knows the shepherd. She knows she's walking through the valley of shadow of death, but she's ready to go when the Lord takes her. Somehow she rallied. The minister from the church came by and prayed with her. Later in the afternoon, she had really perked up. So it's amazing. As we think of our life, you know, today is one of the biggest games in all the year uh, as far as football goes, right? But if you were to think of your life as a game, what quarter are you in? If there was four quarters, you know, if you're young, like the girl that read up there, she's in the first quarter of her life. You know, if you're middle age, you're getting towards halftime. You know, what about that? Say you're over halftime. You're in the third quarter. Some of you, as I look around, are in the fourth quarter. You know? We're maybe getting down to the two minute time. You know, making good use of our timeouts. How are we gonna finish this game? Maybe some of you are praying for overtime. (laughs) You know? Maybe you really want overtime. You're like, I'm not ready, Lord. I gotta get things in order. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I love my great grandkids. Whatever it is. But we'd have to consider How are we going to finish this game? What does God have in store for us? Or if you looked at it as a calendar year, what month are you in? I was born in February, but if you take from January to December, I'm much further along than February in my life now. I'm probably in September. you know. And my dear sister, we were talking about that. We thought, she might be at December 29th. How much longer does she have in life? While we were there in Martha's Vineyard, too, after the presentation we did in the home about the Jesus film, we were sitting around the table. The other guests had gone, and we heard a real bang, a crash. And uh, about ten minutes later, five minutes later, there was emergency vehicles, uh, ambulances, rescue squad, uh, police cars. So the pastor, Jeff, and I walked up to the corner, and it was a very bad accident. And we learned later that a 20-year-old was killed that night. So again, she never made it. That was her fourth quarter. That was the finish line. That was the December of her life. But I want to close up, and, and I'm not going to even get to that passage. i gotta, I got to go there. In verse uh, 16, the second part of that, it says, They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. That is the hope of South Shore Baptist Church, is to provide this Jesus film for this part of the world, up here in Sudan, Eritrea, Ethiopia, to reach a nomadic group of people who have never heard the name of Jesus. So as a representative of the Jesus film, Sandal and I want to thank you for this effort as it goes forth. The film might be ready in a year, might be longer, but when it's ready, will you continue to partner with us to make it available and see God transform lives there? You know, as you touch people there, they're really going to come into our family, God's family. I want to end up with Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 9. Where it's talking about the workers are few. This is a verse you'll hear at a lot of missions conferences. It's asking people to be involved. It says in Mark, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I'm so impressed with all the people that you support in the mission field here at South Shore Baptist. You've got people with athletes in action, people in South Africa, people here locally in prison ministries. So what you're doing is making a huge difference in the kingdom. So I thank you as an ambassador, you know, serving with another ministry or partner ministry. You know, thank you for what you're doing, making a difference. But we, too, sat in the pew at one point. It's, It's great to be able to give, but it's great to be able to go. You know, so just consider what you're going to do at this point in your life as you watch maybe the movie on Tuesday night about Magdalena released from shame, as you hear more about the banquet and then next Sunday, that you would respond in the way God leads you as a church, but more so as an individual. How can you make a difference? As I shared my testimony, maybe you can share your testimony with someone at work this week or some friend that you're concerned about. So continue to serve the Lord the days of your life with gladness. I want to end up, uh, just pray again for the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Again, the illustration of the Lamb laying down his life. If you've given your heart and soul to Jesus Christ, your name is written there. If it's not, why not today? Why keep buying into what the enemy's saying? Do it my way. Frank Sinatra, do it my way. God's way is right here. And Yahweh is the way to go. Let me close it in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for people that are brand new uh, coming here today. Uh, may they continue to seek uh, fellowship in this area if they live here. And uh, really find a relationship with you, Father. You love them first. So I thank you for people here that know you and have been serving you for a long time. So thank you for the strong history of this church, its mission here in Hingham. We pray that you would continue to reach the farthest outreaches places in the world with the gospel. People who have never heard the name of Jesus would be able to see the film, hear the message of God's love and forgiveness, and be able to respond to that. So I pray your blessing on the pastoral leadership and the leadership of this church in the various roles that they play in making your kingdom come here on earth. So we thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being here today to share. And thank you for this people group in Sudan, in uh, Ethiopia, and Eritrea that will hear more about your love through this project. So we rejoice in you that this is the day the Lord has made. We can say this in the matchless name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen.